another episode of the All of Life podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, and we're here today with the, is it season finale or series finale of wow. Following Jesus in Soul Care? It's a finale. That's all that, that's okay. all that matters. The fourth and final. That's right. Yeah. I think it's season because uh, that at least leaves it open to, we could do this again sometime and mm. revisit this and offer it in a different yeah. venue. Or we should have left everybody like on like a cliffhanger waiting for season two or whatever, right? Whoa. That would have been something. Well, do that between seasons two and three. Okay. And then just That's hope good. you don't get canceled in season three because then <laughs> That's right. everyone's going to be disappointed. Okay. Well, maybe season we can leave it. Season three will be Soul Ninja Workshop. Soul Ninja Workshop. Oh, That's nice. Right. Nice. Uh, You're just going to work your way. Perfect. Yeah. Do you end up... Is it soul Black after? Well, can, well, I was gonna say, is it soul samurai after ninja, or is it soul samurai before ninja? Uh, Seems like after. Sarah, you make samurai is after yeah. soul ninja. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get it all sorted out before next season. Before the soul samurai season. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So last night was the last night of mm-hmm. following Jesus in soul care. Uh, That's well, right. What exactly happened? What exactly happened? Well, we jumped in. Um, We had them start with triad. So it was their last week of practicing the skills that they've been working on for four weeks. Um, So we jumped in with that. And then we followed that up with teaching at the end. Thought that might just give more space for Q&A and processing and takeaways and all of that. So um, yeah, so we started out. So the last stage of listening well is action. So it's really moving into, okay, based off of what we've explored, what we've gained insight on, here's like movement towards finding a new way of being, um, whether that's with yourself or with God or with others in relationship. Um, so that can look like a whole range of things, anywhere from hey, it looks like moving into, like out of isolation and into community mm-hmm. is like a needed action for you. You've mm-hmm. been suffering alone. You need to put yourself around people who care. That can be a really important action mm-hmm. um, that someone else can see clearly and invite you into. Um, or it could be like, here is this ingrained pattern of being that you found to work really well for you that's no longer working. Um what does it look like to to try a a different way? Mm. Um, So there's a lot of difference in that. Um, Another way that we talked about the action stage being is an invitation into a type of death and Mm cross-bearing. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast. Um, But if if the process of transformation is um, death into, like, descent and into resurrection... Um, action is like inviting into a true death in order to find new life on the other side. Mm-hmm. So some specific ways of, of offering action, of moving into action, um, always with a sense of like collaborating is best. So if you can, if it can be a conversation of what does action and change look like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so feedback is one specific way to move into action. Um, So you're offering your perspective on the person's behavior or impact on someone else. Um, So that can be specific, like I'm experiencing you. So I use the example of sitting with someone. It often feels like I'm kind of driving the car (laughs) in the conversation. Um, And there are times that that's needed. There are times that we don't know where to go and we need help getting there. But it became kind of a crutch for the person moving towards wholeness. Mm. So I decided to speak to it. 
Um, and we got to like, hey, there's a sense of uh, she's really afraid of sharing her opinion. Uh, that hasn't gone well for her. And so the action was, okay, next time we're together, uh, I would love for you to have an opinion on what we talk about today. It's like small, mm -hmm. a small step. Um, she kind of cringed and was like, okay, <laughs> I can do that. Um, and it's just a small way to move into change. Mm. Um, so that's feedback. Uh, direct guidance is really the collaborative offering suggestions, insight, instructions, tools um, for change. And that is really helpful because when we're in our own skin, it's so hard to see the places that we're stuck and mm. how to move out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so someone else to say like, what if you what if you tried um, morning mindfulness for five minutes? Like, what would that mm. do for your day and your life? Mm. Um, that's such a small thing and can make a really big difference. Mm. So those are the two categories we offered with the caveat of for the final week, wanting folks to be able to focus on the skill that they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So if that was just sticking with explore, just staying with insight, totally great. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you gave a good example of um, usually people are stuck between two bad options. Mm -hmm. And if there's this like third way, then um, that's one of the things that's helpful to get collaborative with. So even like building on your exploring with people, you can kind of begin to see what those two bad options might look like. Yeah, You might actually offer those to them as insight. So for example, you have this conflict at work and it's like, so what I hear you saying is you keep thinking, hey, on one hand, I want to go back to work tomorrow and I just want to blast this person. Like, I just want to give them a piece of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's one option. Or you could just kind of sweep it under the rug, but maybe hold some bitterness or resentment yeah. for what happened. Yeah. Uh, so if that's two poles, mm -hmm. what would, a, what would a, like a middle way be? Like, what would a, a, a way to diagonalize that mm -hmm. um, yes. to be? Uh, so that you're not choosing the, either of these extremes. You're, you're choosing... Uh, to kind of say, hey, on one sense, the good of this uh, extreme is you really speak directly to what happened. Yeah. That's the good of the blow them up model. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of bad to it too, right? But then, but then there's also this like, but on the other side, you kind of want to preserve the relationship and make sure you don't totally sever it, which is maybe the good under the sweep under the rug of like, I care too much about, you know, not, not totally damaging mm. this relationship. And so if you pulled those two things together and you said, how can I speak with directness, but also uh, enough care for the relationship that I'm mm -hmm. not going to totally come in and just sever it. Mm -hmm. What would that look like? So now you're actually inviting them to collaborate with you on the action based on exploring yes. and on insight. And this is one of the ways. And, and so it might come down to you guys coming up with some sort of uh, solution together and you giving them feedback like, hey, if I were the person receiving you coming to me like this, this is, I think, how I would receive it best, right? That'd be feedback. And, mm -hmm. Or you could say give them direct guidance of like, you know, the, the affirmation sandwich of like, hey, walk in there and, and start by naming like their goodness in this situation. Like, this mm -hmm. is what I think you were after. This is what I would think you were trying to do. And then and then they, they speak to the ways in which they fell short of their own standards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so that would be then direct guidance, right? Like, but it's all building out of your, your work of exploration and insight mm -hmm. uh, to get there. Yeah. When it feels like it, just to zoom way out, just so the listener kind of, picks up on if they weren't at soul care just thinking through the weeks that we've talked about it we, there was a phase of explore there was a phase of insight and then there's this phase of action and really what we're doing is we're encouraging people to slow down and listen to people because the action thing it's like i think people get that people get feedback people get direct they would think of it as advice or direction 
Mm-hmm. But it's like they probably the default for most people is you tell me, Ben, you tell me it's this thing you're struggling with. And I don't ask any follow up questions. Mm-hmm. And I just immediately I'm like, well, here's what you should do. Mm-hmm. It's That's like right. we're encouraging people to like, yeah, you can get to that point eventually, but mm-hmm. it's going to be more. The payoff is more rewarding if you actually slow down mm-hmm. yeah. and do these explore skills, do these yes. insight skills, and then give your feedback. Not That's right. yes. Here's what I think right off the bat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if if Ben has sat with me long enough that I'm like receptive and open to Mm -hmm. the change Mm -hmm. there's such a difference between hey Mm -hmm. find this third option (laughs) Mm -hmm. don't blow up at them don't hold it all in there's a third way Mm -hmm. i'm so much more open to that if i've sat in it that's right and one of the ways that we the metaphors we used earlier on was uh jesus's parable of the four soils uh and i've and i said it i i wrestle with what does the fourth soil look like? The good soil, the one that mm. receives the seed, uh, holds fast with patience and faith, and it bears, you know, fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, I think it says. Um, what the, the short answer is it looks like dirt. It looks like dirt. Tell us more. <laughs> well, no, I just, you just made me think. I mean, one, that's, I'm being silly in uh-huh. some sense. I'm just like, well, what does the good soil look like? It looks like dirt. Uh, but it looks like work. Yeah. Like you look at it, mm. it's like there's, it's not it's obvious that something's, yeah going to grow there until you till it until you mm-hmm. and so it's like a lot of times people skate over things because it's well that's gonna take a lot of work mm-hmm. it's like yeah it became the good soil because it mm-hmm. was prepared a certain way it wasn't mm-hmm. just you just find it there and like oh yeah let's plant there because that looks good that's right and so we've what we're saying is all of the work of exploration and insight is is tilling the soil it's soil tilling work uh, it's removing some of the stones it's you know pulling some of the weeds it's uh, breaking up the hard soil on the surface and and so then action often can look like planting the seed, right? Like that you're hoping grows into something new and life-giving and rich. And, yeah. and so uh, to use the phrase, the quote that we've been using this whole time, which is, how do we listen with the ears of God so that, that's a purpose clause, so that we might speak the words of God. And so to listen with the ears of God is, uh, is to till the soil. And then to speak the words of God is to plant the seed mm-hmm. and, and hope and pray and ask for growth, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's out of our hands. Yeah. I would also say taking doing the hard work um, leads to, we don't always know what what the seed is going to become. Like we, the action surprises us, um, movement and change. I think when it's like true, truly embedded in the hard work of exploration and insight, what we thought was growing looks different mm-hmm. <laughs> than when we mm-hmm. started. Um, and it's better, but it's a surprise. Yeah, that's right. That's so well said. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot going on there as far as just what you're being called to do and how long it might take. And you're, I guess it just kind of underscores the slowing down aspect. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a, we can't microwave it. Yes. If we want to use that, that language. That's right. That's and, right. And, and I will say like, it's worth probably noting, um, coaches, their job is to jump to action pretty quick, right? You actually invite a coach into your life and the setup of that relationship is tell me what you see and tell me how to change it ASAP. And so there are ways in which you can set up a conversation with somebody where that's really what's going down. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, as the person who's maybe the receipt, the recipient, 
Uh, you could also step into a conversation with somebody that you find to be wise and, and helpful and just say, hey, I'd love to tell you my situation and I just want you to speak into it. Mm. Like when people say that, I actually love that because there's this sense of like, oh, okay, so I hear you saying, listen, the soil is tilled. Like I'm, I'm ready to receive something I'm, mm-hmm. because I am stuck and I really want to. And so there's this eagerness. And, and so just to give the listener this, uh, if you're on that side of things, if you're not the, the helper, the soul care offerer, uh, come with a posture of willingness especially if you're coming to somebody you know loves you and actually has wisdom. Mm. Because if they have those two things, like they really are going to offer something that's going to be helpful to you. And you can actually expedite the process (laughs) by coming with a willing heart to say, I'm going to receive from somebody outside of myself. But I truly believe um, uh, that that doesn't happen as often as it could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if sometimes it, it doesn't happen as often as it could. It could because one, people don't like to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But two, a lot of times we we do take things to other people, but we don't present it as a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just more like, I'm a, Ben, I'm going to tell you my plans for, I mean, we were just talking a little bit ago at lunch. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing today. Uh-huh. And it's not like, I'm not asking for your advice, but it's kind of sort of like mm-hmm. a, Hey, what do you, th- I want your feedback on it to yeah. some degree, mm-hmm. but I'm not asking for your input or advice. Mm-hmm. It's just more of like a, yeah, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You should definitely go to In-N-Out Burger in Dallas. That's okay. That's think. okay. Perfect. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that on Friday. Nate's flying to Dallas after the podcast. <laughs> that's, so. that's right. It's like already thinking about where you're going to eat. Uh-huh. It's weird that we, this Never mind. I was going to say, I don't, I don't want to bring the pre pod conversation no, to the pod. But... <laughs> that's good. Well, so we moved from uh, the action skills in, mm-hmm. in this triad setup. There's there's a few more action skills, but we basically just said, hey, let's let's just use some of these basic ones and, and build on the explore and insight skills as we go. Um, and we moved into, I, I kind of promised, hey, we really will get to what does it mean to speak the words of God? Okay, we've spent three weeks on, really three and a half weeks on listening with the ears of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we just, can we get to the speaking the words of God? Um, and so I, I started off by saying, hey, there's this theme in scripture that's worth paying attention to, which is uh, one, that our words are way more powerful than we could ever really give them credit for. Um, and so what I mean by that is many of us, uh, if you are in a soul care situation, one of the things that comes up are words that have been spoken to you. Um, and, and so, you know, we have that language of sticks and stones will break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me, uh, is a, is a flat lie. Like uh, you could break a bone and recover more quickly than you could recover Mm. from somebody speaking a harsh word to you or Nate or, or, you know, putting some sort of a, a shameful label on you or, you know, when you're in a moment of, of need, actually like almost uh, pushing you away, rejecting you. Like those are the moments, those words are the mm-hmm. ones that bang around in our soul and cause damage for decades if they're mm. not appropriately processed and healed from. And, and so our words have an insane amount of power. The way the Proverbs will say it is that the power in the power of the tongue is the, is the power to give life and to, ta- and to give and to bring death. Mm. Um, and so that's something, and it makes sense if you're made in the image of God who spoke everything into existence ex nihilo out of nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a real way in which we have power to create, to bring life, to build up mm. and to destroy and to tear down and to bring death. Mm. And so just pausing with this, uh, awareness of the power of our words is actually really important. That's the first theme that, that we see kind of drawn throughout scripture. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just so good the way that you're drawing that out. Um, it, it makes me think of uh, someone who said when, like, when emotion is 
captured, the body hits record. Mm. So in those moments where there's devastating words spoken, like our body remembers Mm -hmm. those, (laughs) our minds remember those. Yes, that's so true. And what somebody could hear in in, in their response to what I just said could be, well, I'm just not going to speak. And I would say, silence can actually be definite. Mm-hmm. Like silence can do as much damage sometimes as words. So uh, the the language that we have in our in the Christian tradition is uh, sins of commission and sins of omission. And we say, hey, you can commit, you can you can commit things that hurt people, and you can omit to do the right thing, and that hurts people too. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying is, there's not an option to just keep your mouth shut if you're so afraid of using your words. And so what does that mean? Well, we need to we need to develop wisdom. And the language actually the Bible uses is that there's this concept of fittingness, that that there's a there's a fit word, there's a word that actually is appropriate. Uh, and timely and and actually is is to from me in this moment to you that's actually the right word to speak and so here's a few scriptures Ephesians 4:29 says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up that's really helpful actually like just let the general rule for your speech not to tear somebody down but to build them up like aim for that now, it doesn't mean you can't speak a challenging word, a directive word, a rebuke. That's a category in the Bible, an exhortation, an admonishment. Those are all very appropriate uses of words. Uh, but there's still the end game is not to tear somebody down, but to build them up. Mm-hmm. So an appropriate rebuke is, hey, you're running towards a cliff. Stop. You're going to fall off the edge. Like that's a rebuke. That's a corrective. That's a. Uh, but it's why it's not because I'm, I'm I just like love tearing people down. It's like no no no. I actually want your end good, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to build you up with this call. <clears throat> call backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, call to turn away. Right. And so Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Here's the phrase, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And so there is a fittingness to the occasion that our words. We, we want to kind of thread the needle there. And so one of the reasons why we've belabored the Explore and Insight stages so much is they actually help you know what kind of words would fit this occasion. And if you just jump the gun, somebody's like, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And you're like, hey, this is what you need to do, which I've, mm-hmm. I've recently been in conversations where somebody's done that. And it's embarrassing at best. And it's, uh, it's like just this cringeworthy, like, I don't think, I think you missed that person. Mm-hmm. I think you ran roughshod over what's really going on here because you thought you knew best. But you didn't take the patience and the humility to find out. And so you spoke a word that didn't fit the occasion, mm-hmm. even though you thought you were building that person up. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the last phrase here, that it may give grace to those who hear, blows my mind. Like just to slow down and pause and say, God has given us a channel through which he will bring his grace. And it is our tongue, our mouth, our lips, our words that we speak like There is grace can come through, you know, I don't even know how all this works. The vibration of my vocal cords. God brings grace through that. Mm -hmm. That's insane to consider that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have that kind of power. So we want to have words that fit the occasion, uh, which is why exploration and insight are so important. Mm -hmm. Because you're spending, uh, just to even put a a point on it further, you're spending time exploring what the occasion is so that you know what would fit. That's well said. That's exactly right. Yep. So I'll go through these other ones a little bit more quickly, but Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious. And I just think 
It's just really helpful. Shoot. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just really helpful in one sense when the Bible just gives me like like really clear directives that I'm like, well, what really should I do in this situation? Should I be a little bit of a jerk? It's like, no, let it always be gracious. Like, uh, harshness is ruled out. Like just meanness is ruled out. You know, like th- that, that your words are to always be gracious. Uh, that There's something about... So in other words, like there's a version of Christianity where it feels like you're being a little too like you're using kid gloves on people if you're like mm-hmm. really trying to speak to their dignity and like and trying to like build them up and and, and you spend too much time on encouragement you know because what what a lot of us have is the problem is we're just too encouraged around here right like <laughs> our hearts are just too strengthened in the goodness of God these days mm-hmm. and so uh, what we need is somebody to really come in and like tell us how it is right it's like no 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 Colossians four six let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know, here's the phrase, how you ought to answer each person. There's something really powerful about that. Like our words have a preservative effect. They're seasoned with salt. And there's an oughtness to the answer that we give to somebody. Well, that might feel like really intimidating. What's the oughtness here? It's like, well, spend some time asking good questions, being humble, listening well, reflecting back, asking the Spirit to give you wisdom. Like that, yeah. all the things we've set up to this point. So the last two are from the Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Uh, Proverbs 15, again, the word fitly is there. Fitly spoken. Proverbs 15, 23. Mm -hmm. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. And we've all experienced that. Like it'd be worth just reflecting on, can you think of a time when you've, you've been in a situation when somebody gave you an apt response? Like it just, it was just fitting. It was a word in season it was what you needed to hear, right? We say that like mm-hmm. somebody else, like, man, I really needed to hear that. Thank mm-hmm. you. What is that? It's it's all of these coming together, this fittingness to our words coming together in that moment. So powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about a moment um, at our last Seek night um, when we gathered together for prayer at New City with Adoration Church. And um, Ben, you came up in between worship and use the story of the prodigal son Mm. in a way that was inviting people to come home. Mm. Like you use those words, like Mm. just come home. Mm -hmm. And that felt like a moment that was like, oh, like those are words that I Mm. and we need to Mm. hear. That's Mm. like specific Mm -hmm. to me. Um, That's just a moment of like, yeah, fitly spoken words. So glad to hear that. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) I've got tears in my eyes right now as I hear that. And, Mm. And the reason why is because... I knew I wanted to say something Hmm. and it was like, I know a lot of Bible. I have Hmm. no idea what to say right now. (laughs) I've I've preached the gospel a thousand times in my life. I don't know how to do it right now. And so I asked, I was like, Holy Spirit, would you just help me? Like, help me right now. Cause I truly don't know what to say, but I, I and I, you know, if I would have had this in mind, I would have said, maybe give me words of grace. That'll be fit, fitting to this gate. Right. And so I just stepped up and was like, I'm going to trust that this Mm. is that whatever I say right now, the Holy Spirit's going to use. And so he did. And I'm so grateful for that. So in other words, that was very not premeditated is what I should say. It was very, it was very, I was in the occasion with everybody else and thinking like, how can I, how can I like winsomely call people uh, to, to see God as who he is and to invite them to Jesus in a fresh way. And But and you so, were in conversation with the Holy Spirit that's to right. ask. That's right. Yeah. Because I don't, and, and that's, here's where I want to kind of, you know, I built the, I built this up a lot. Like your, your words can give life and death. Your words have the power to give grace. You have to make sure that you are, that you are putting an effort 
That's all I'm saying. Just putting an effort to have your words be fitting to the occasion. Like, don't be haphazard about this. So you might feel all of that as high challenge. And you might be thinking, gosh, this is overwhelming. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I'm up to the task. And then what I would say is, and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you if you belong to Jesus and is ready to help you in times of need. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, the Hebrews passage of like draw near to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in a time of need. Like just do that. And he is so pleased to care for souls mm-hmm. through your mouth. Uh, that's what he wants to do. Uh, and he cares more about the person that you're trying to offer a, a fitly timed word to than you ever could. Yeah. Uh, and he's put more blood, sweat and tears into that person than you ever will. And so there's something about, let me just ride the wave of the Spirit's work in this person's life. And now I actually have a lot more fun with this because yes. uh, it's way more fun to, to ride waves than to make them. And so just just join in the Spirit's work. That's yeah. what you're doing in that moment. But that, re- that requires dependence. Like in that moment, I felt very incompetent, truly. Mm. And what's amazing about this is, let, let me just be clear, I have... I have a crazy amount of competence standing up in front of people, talking to them about Jesus. Like it's maybe one of the few things I do better than anything else. And I'm, praise you, God for that. You're I, literally a professional. I'm literally a professional. <laughs> and I felt very incompetent in that moment to do the one of the few things I feel very competent to do in my life. Yeah. And so own and offer that need to Jesus in that moment and let him do what he can do if he doesn't, if you're not trying to depend on yourself in that moment. So thank you wow. for that fitly time word, that. Sarah, for, for real. Like what you just offered me in this yeah. podcast was fitly time. Cause it's just a great example. And it, it's why I brought tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. Just think like, Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to use those words. Cause I didn't know what to say. Um, and so, so mm-hmm. the way we ended, uh, is how do we speak the words of God? How do we actually do this thing? Uh, and, and I gave five things, I had seven, narrowed it down for everybody's sake. Mm. Uh, it became less perfect. That's right. Seven is the perfect number. Uh, but I was getting redundant so I could tell. So the first one is how do we speak the words of God? We have to meditate on the words of God. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what I'm talking about. Meditate on it. Imbi- like, like imbibe the words of God. Drink them in. Soak in them. Saturate in them. Steep in them. Whatever that looks like for you. For me, it's mostly looked like memorizing the book of Psalms. Like it's just so helpful. I always feel like if, I, if a psalm can come up, it almost always fits the occasion. Mm-hmm. If I can just quote from the book of Psalms to somebody. Because it, it comes from the depth of human experience and meets people. It, you know, Psalm 42, deep calls to deep. That's what the Psalms do. They call from the depths of one soul to the depths of another in powerful ways. Mm. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's the that's the goal. Like you, if the words of Christ are dwelling in you richly, you can teach and admonish other one another in a way that has wisdom to it. And there goes on singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right. So the Psalms are even core right there. Um, so meditate on the words of God. The next thing is is embody them embody the words of God. So what I mean by that is um, uh, ultimate reality is the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If you in your very person come into a conversation with somebody and you set it as your intention, I'm going to embody mercy, grace, faithfulness, steadfast love, slowness to anger. Like you're, you're going to have a hard time doing a bad thing. <laughs> like, like the, like your, your chances of failure just drop significantly. If you just set the intention, this is the kind of person I'm going to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. So you just embody that. And, and so we can get into all kinds of neuroscience. Just read Kurt Thompson on how uh, people feel felt when you show up and you're, you're willing to show up to them and with, with kindness and mercy and tenderness and all these 
you're embodying the words of God in that moment. Uh, I almost use the word incarnate there, uh, and, and it wouldn't have been wrong to say that. Like the, mm-hmm. Jesus is the word made flesh. And in, in a real way, we get to participate in the words of God becoming flesh in us. And we get to give them a face and a name and a smile and eye contact and tears and mm. laughter and hugs and all the things that they long for from Jesus himself, but they won't experience probably mm-hmm. until he comes back and makes all things new. We get to give that to them here and now. Mm. But it actually, I mean, if you think about it, it actually is the primary way you can both show God love and God can show you love is through another person That's right. who's indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we have a profound example of that in Acts uh, eight and, or Acts 9, right? Where Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus mm. says. Mm. Weird, Jesus, you're enthroned in glory at the Father's right hand. Saul's not touching you. Like, like this, is, this is not about you, Jesus. Mm. Or does Jesus so identify with his people that to hurt them is to hurt Jesus? Meaning that the opposite is true, right? Where if, if Jesus' people are bringing goodness and mercy and kindness and warmth to other people, Jesus himself is doing that. Like we, we actually meet Jesus in the faces of his people. That's a profound experience. Um, and so I think there's biblical theological reasons to say embodying the words of God to people is, is one of the ways we can speak them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul calls the Corinthians a living letter, not written with ink and on parchment, but with the Holy Spirit on human hearts. Mm-hmm. So we actually are these words of God with our, with our very existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing. So first is meditate on them. Uh, second is embody them. Third is obey them. Like your obedience to the words of God make them plausible to other people. Mm. <laughs> uh, it makes them like if, if you really do put into practice in your life the the commands, the promises, the 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 hopeful future expectations, the all the ways in which Scripture speaks. If you if you actually obey those things with your life, it it makes your life credible. It actually makes the words of God credible, not only in your life, but also um, it gives them, it it gives proof of concept for somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, actually trusting that um, going to somebody who's wronged me and telling them their fault and asking them uh, if they would be willing to consider the ways in which they've done wrong to you or flip the script, um, flip the, the, the positions going to someone who you've wronged and asking for their forgiveness. These are really hard things to do, y'all. Like we all experience the like anxiety and fear, like all the things that show up when you do that. But the Bible makes, there's no, there's no wiggle room on this. You, you have to forgive or you will not be forgiven. Clear as day throughout Jesus's teaching. Okay. That's a big deal. So what does it look like to walk in that? Well, Jesus is inviting you to take on the easy yoke of not bearing resentment and bitterness and anger the rest of your life. Mm. What a gift that is. But it requires faith to operate that this is actually good for me and for my relationships. And mm-hmm. and so I shared last night something that's been so powerful is reflecting on the trajectory my life was on before Jesus interrupted it and brought me to some level of repentance and faith and obedience to Jesus. Um, and when I consider the the gap between what could have been uh, or what was going to be and what is now, I praise God for that. I praise him for the flourishing and the fruitfulness in my mm-hmm. life. And it's not because of my faithfulness. It's because his words are true and trustworthy. And I'm thanking him for that. Like obedience to, to the word of God is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So if it, uh, Isaiah 50 is a messianic song about Jesus, but it says this, the Lord God has given me the tongue 
of those who are taught. So listen, if you want a tongue that can give life, you have to be taught. It has to be a taught tongue. It has to be submissive to God first before it can be used to use the word of God. So this is the obedience thing. Why would you want to have a tongue, the tongue of those who are taught? That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. That's amazing. That's soul care. Sustaining with a word someone who's weary. What a powerful picture of what soul care is. Well, how do you get there? goes on morning by morning god awakens he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught so it starts by morning by morning waking up listening with my own ear seeking to obey what god has said and then i actually have the ability to sustain with a word the one who's weary Mm. um that's powerful Mm. Mm. the last two i promise won't be as long (laughs) The, the, the fourth one you can do is you can bear witness to the words of God. So Luke 8, Jesus says to somebody he's healed, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. That's testifying. That's a testimony. We all have these things if we've walked with Jesus for any amount of time. We have pictures and examples of God's faithfulness to us, even especially when we're in the valley. Um, and so then the person goes away, says he, and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And you could say, well, that's weird. Jesus says, tell him how much God has done for you. He says, hey, let me tell you how much Jesus has done for you. It's like, oh, maybe Jesus is God. <laughs> maybe that's actually what's happening here. Maybe the, the word of God incarnate is actually doing great things in people's lives. So as you bear witness to the faithfulness of God, that his words are trustworthy and true, and you show that out in your own life, you are given credibility to actually speak about God, uh, speak the words of God into other people's lives. Mm. All right. Last one here is to pray them, pray the words of God and actually pray them in soul care with the person. This could be a form of action. It's like you, you explore, you offer some insight and then you say, Hey, why don't we bring that to Jesus together and tell him, tell this to him as if he didn't already know it. And you invite them to just join with you in prayer. And there's something about praying hard things in the presence of another person Mm -hmm. to God. That's actually, it it can be profoundly powerful and transformative. Mm -hmm. And so we gave everybody a lament template using Psalm 13, the three movements there from protest to prayer to praise. I can't believe you didn't call it a lamentlet. Oh man, missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I love uh, whatever that is, conjunctions or (laughs) joining words together to make stupid new words. Yeah, play on words. (laughs) Uh, A lament. A lament template. Because isn't it lament template? It's like... Yeah, smash it together. <laughs> so Sarah, <funny. laughs> she's cringing. She loves it and hates it at the same time. That's what yeah. I. That's the humor I go for. You love it and hate it. You're Perfect. like, that's terrible. That's but also, <laughs> I'm laughing now. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so a lament template. A lament template. Yep, that you can walk through. Psalm 13 is the best lament psalm to to lament with somebody with because it's it's short, it's simple, it's very sticky and reproducible. You can see the flow from protest to prayer to praise. It's excellent. So I'm particularly talking about somebody who's in a season of life where they are not super keen on how God's ruling the world <laughs> uh, or the ways in which he's coming through and not coming through for them. And, and so you can usher people into the presence of God and speak the words of God back to God in prayer. And it's powerful when you do that with other people. Mm-hmm. So real quick again, the, the five. Can you do it? Oh, man, can I'll, I do I'll help you can if, I do uh, if you need it. Oh, man. So pray is the last one. Uh-huh. Bear witness. Yep. Obey. Mm-hmm. Meditate. That's the first one. That was the first one. Number two mm, is... Your favorite. Uh, embody. Embody. Oh, 
it's okay. Good. And so what is we it spell? Fail yeah, that's right. All right, I'm going to rework this and get an acronym here for you. Okay. That, <laughs> I kept waiting. I was like, what is this going to spell? Let's be clear. I'm the one at fault here. Not Nate for not remembering this. I could have done better. I'll do better next time. Okay. Well, yeah, next season. Right? Yeah, that's right. Next, next season. season. That's exactly right. So the last thing we did was we talked about gospel fluency, which is another way to say evangelism. Like, how are you fluent in the gospel? Mm. How is it so meaningful to you that you're able to speak it into the lives of other people, particularly not yet disciples of Jesus? Mm. I gave a framework we won't talk too much about here, um, which is you move from external to internal to eternal. And so what that is, is uh, in conversation, it's weird if you just go, Hey Nate, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? <laughs> right? Like, even you would love that. Let's yeah, be honest. That's right. You say it's weird, but you haven't spent two weeks in New York City doing that. <laughs> that that's true. In fact, uh, hmm. so uh, just a different life. Yeah, that's right. Nate, Nate's like been there, done that. Have probably many T-shirts actually. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> so, would, would, ten out of ten would not recommend. That's amazing. Oh, that's why you always wear the same T-shirt to work. Yes, because <laughs> all of his other all ones the are other from ones, this yeah. evangelism experience. New York City. That's right. (laughs) So what I'm saying is there's a way to jump the gun evangelistically that's like, uh, can come out of anxiety, frankly, which is like, I got to get this thing out. Like I've got to, I just got souls to win. I've got souls to win and I got to say it real fast and uh, make sure I get through all four movements of the gospel, Mm -hmm. four, five, 10, whatever you've got. Right. And I'm saying, slow down, take a breath, be patient. The spirit of God's at work. If he's got you there, he's probably got you there for a reason. And just explore what's going on externally in this person's life. Like, hey, what, what are you looking forward to in your schedule? Like, what, what have you been up to lately? Like, you just ask those kind of questions and you're just talking about things and, and talk about activities and interests, things that they're about. Um, and then you can move from that into like, hey, so what is it about uh, watching football that you really enjoy? Like, what is it? So what am I doing? I'm moving from external to internal. I'm, t- I'm trying to get at enjoyment, desire, uh, things that, that, that bring them life, things that where they find it uh you know, the goodness of God's creation, they're experiencing it. And so you can move from external to internal. And then this move is, is admittedly the hardest, which is from internal to eternal. Um, and it takes some time of kind of cultivating relationship and whatnot. Um, and, and eventually you, 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 in the internal category, you try to learn what are their hopes and fears? Cause we all have them. We all have hopes for the future. We all have fears about the future. And if you can understand what those things are, it's it's not a far jump from hopes and fears to connecting eternal realities to those things, mm-hmm. particularly the good news of Jesus, the, these eternal realities breaking into history, breaking into real time and space. Um, and so you kind of make that move. And I said this, and this is, I, I, as I, I basically started talking it out last night and it became more clear to me as I went, there's a spectrum of uh, from boldness to winsome. And again, this is a diagonalization thing, right? Like, what do you want to be? You want to be bold and winsome. But mm-hmm. some people can be bold with not what much winsomeness. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, joking, like walking up to somebody and be yeah. like, hey, the if you were to... Sandwich board guys. That's walk right. Around. Totally. Yeah. Sandwich board guys. Or if you were to die tonight, do you know, where, like, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? It's like, I don't believe in heaven. I don't think about death. God isn't real. Start again. Right? right. It's like, how did that go? Uh, and so... There's a boldness without any kind of winsomeness at all that, that really can – people have experienced that so negatively they're really turned off by it. And I think that that's understandable. Mm. But here's the thing, and this is my, you know, this is my evaluation of New City, is I think we're winsome 
I think we actually have a bunch of people who are relationally savvy, who know people, who've built friendships with not yet disciples of Jesus, who, who've known them for maybe a year and a half, two years, who've, but, but don't actually boldly step out and speak about Jesus in meaningful, compelling ways. So they're on the winsome side of the spectrum where it's like, I'm going to do relational evangelism, but it's all relational and no evangelism. And I'm saying, hey, listen, it is always intimidating to start talking about Jesus to somebody. It's only getting worse too because we're becoming more and more marginalized in in our views on a dozen different topics in our culture. And so of course it's got there's fear involved in it and there's but this is the invitation to trust the Holy Spirit that he's at work in you that he'll give you words to bear witness to Jesus in that moment that an apt word a fitly timed word. Mm-hmm. Um, and lean into that fear trusting that God's going to go with you. Mm-hmm. Because courage is not the absence of fear as we all know it's what you do with your fear. It's willing to do the things that matter in the face of fear. That's what courage really is. Mm-hmm. And it takes courage. Paul himself said, "Pray for me." I want to talk about Jesus to people, but I need you to pray for me that you'd give me boldness to step through the doors that God opens for me. So pray for me. Mm. Paul, the greatest missionary that's ever lived, (laughs) needed people to pray for him to have boldness because Mm. he knew it was hard to speak about Jesus. Mm. So if you're on this podcast and you're wherever you are in that spectrum from, from boldness to winsomeness, just find out where you are and lean the other direction. That's all I'm inviting you to, uh, step out in the other direction in ways that maybe you haven't thus far. Mm. And I like the way you tied it all together where there really is, there's continuity with everything you're doing in soul care, like Mm -hmm. to a large degree evangelism is an extension of soul care. It's, mm-hmm. it's the first steps of soul care towards someone who's not yet a believer. That's right. And so a lot of the principles just that help you love your neighbor are going to help you lean in evangelistically as well. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. In fact, I had um, I was in a conversation with somebody who uh, was going to write a book on evangelism. And I was talking to him as a therapist. Uh, he wasn't a client, but we were, we were just friends. And, and he was like, uh, he was blown away by the things that we've talked about in the soul care clinic, like uh, attachment styles and, uh, you know, uh, the ways in which you can be accessible or approachable, responsive and engaged, like all these different things I was talking about. He was like, that's an amazing book about evangelism, like trauma informed hmm. evangelism or, wow. and, I, and, and we had, we got a lot of traction behind this idea. And I was like, yeah, and but be, basically, there's just like good human skills, like like just learn how to be with people in meaningful ways and actually care about them, and and channel that skillfully with wisdom, which is what we're trying to teach people. And yeah, you actually could be a very successful evangelist that way because um, people, uh, you know, th- there's there's a responsiveness to being loved by people. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say is the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Evangelism falls under that commandment. So if you're if you're trying to love people to evangelize them, you're doing a you're doing a bad thing. Because you're using evangelism or soul winning as a as a as an as the end and loving somebody is just a means to that end. If you are evangelizing somebody because you love them, you're doing a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Has to go that way. The motive is our love for our neighbors. That's why we care that heaven and hell are real, uh, they're realities that exist and, and that Jesus' uh, death on the cross is sufficient to bring people uh, to himself, back to the Father. And so we, we bear witness to those things out of love for our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, we don't uh, love our neighbor in order to bear witness to these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good distinction there, to just separate those things but still keep them conjoined the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, it has been, Sarah, do you have any final, final last words? you want to give Ben the final thought? I really, I really don't. I'm just, yeah, really grateful for these four weeks and Mm -hmm. really excited to see our people continue to hold boldness and Mm -hmm. winsomeness Mm -hmm. and learn what that looks like. Yeah. And and 
to honor our people to say, hey, we had like 80 people in this soul care community, which yeah. is insane uh, because it just means that people are like, they're, they're literally signing up to care for other people. Like what, a, what a, and learn how to do it better. Like mm-hmm. I'm just so, such a gift to be able to pastor mm-hmm. and lead in this congregation and yeah, I'm super absolutely. grateful for that. Yeah. I, the other thing I would say is that we had 10 plus um, trained counselors that showed up every week mm-hmm. and have heard just really meaningful conversations that happened mm-hmm. in the triads. Um, and I think they cared for our people so well. Yeah. So that's another group of people to name and honor. That's right. They basically showed up and said, follow me as I follow Jesus in soul care, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we want to see happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, we obviously don't have details for this now, but I think I can somewhat confidently say this is not the last time this is going to be an opportunity here at New City. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be on the podcast again together next week because the four weeks are done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people can work their way through these. If they're just jumping in now, they can go back and find the earlier three and kind of see what happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, with this ministry calendar we've implemented at New City, we've, we've created space for learning communities to be an ongoing reality and eventually are going to get to a spot where there's not just one thing every August and February. And so if people missed it this time, I can't say anything about the fall, but I can say that there'll be another, another opportunity down the road. Yes, that's our hope. Yep. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure. Have a great time. I, you know what? I'll do my best. <laughs>